I need a volunteer. Uh, probably somebody on the younger side. I'm not. I'm not judging anybody, but anybody on the younger side that wants to be a little active. Anybody willing to do that? All right, I'll, I'll tell you what it is. That way you can judge, okay? You may you may feel comfortable with this. I need you to come up here, and I'll, I'll reimburse you for your time. I'm going to pay you for your time, okay? Um, I may not pay you what you're worth, but I'm going to pay you for your time. I need somebody who can come up here and uh, stand up here and just do jumping jacks. You don't have to do like 100 a second. You just do jumping jacks and, until I tell you to stop, okay? Haley, this is my niece. They're visiting today. Come on up, Haley. All right, so I need you to come over here. And just start doing jumping jacks, okay? Just you know, until I tell you to stop. You don't have to do them super fast because it's going to be a while. It could be like two or three days maybe. No, I'm kidding. It ain't going to be that long. All right, just do jumping jacks. Spread out a little bit. That way you won't hit something. I don't want you to hurt your hand or anything. All right, start doing jumping jacks. Go ahead, go. All right, so she's doing a good job. Everybody give her a hand. That's right. And some of y'all are like, thank you, Jesus. I didn't go up there because I'd be embarrassed because you pass out after doing a couple of jumping jacks. She's good. She's doing good. All right, uh, on second thought, I'm going to get uh, somebody else. Can I get another volunteer? Um, and I'll pay you something fair, that's for sure. Uh, all right, Miss Taylor, I think, back there. You want to come up here? Oh, she's got a, a, a floppy skirt. She's going to be like a ballerina. Come on up here, young lady. All right. You doing good? You can slow it down if you need to. Oh, don't stop. Don't stop. I didn't tell you to stop. That's not part of the deal. You can slow it down. All right, jumping jacks. Go ahead. Just start jumping jacks. All right. Okay, that's pretty good. Look at give those ladies a hand. They're doing nice. All right. All right. Uh, can I have a, another volunteer? And I'll, I'll give you a little something. Okay. All right. All right, Ben. All right. Come on up here, buddy. All right. Go ahead. Just get up here and you start doing jumping jacks. All right. Yeah, over here is fine. Oh, all right. Yeah, come on. Let's go ahead and start. All right. Okay. Uh, give them a hand. All three of them. They're doing a good job. All right. Um, oh, okay. Whatever. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do one more. All right. Can I get one more volunteer to come up and do jumping jacks? Come on, we need one more, one more, one more. All right, all right they're struggling up here, y'all. We need, they need some help. They need some help. One more. All right, Aaron, come on up here, buddy. All right, this is my nephew, Aaron. He's coming up here. All right, go ahead. All right, good job. All right, good job. Give them all a hand. They're doing good. All right, okay, guys, you got doing a good job. Whoa, 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 whoa. All right, man, you guys are, you're generous. I told you. All right, you can stop. You can stop. Just stay right here. Okay. All right, so I'm gonna. I told him I would pay him. Right. I told him I would pay him, and so I'm going to pay him a little something, all right? So I'm going to give you a nice shiny quarter, Aaron. Good job, all right? So he's up here the shortest amount of time, but I'll give him a quarter. And I think the next person was Ben. I'm going to actually give you a quarter as well. There you go, sir. All right, and uh, I'll get you later. All right, and Miss Taylor, I think she was the second one to come up here. I'm going to give you a quarter. There you go. And then Miss Haley, the one that came up here, she's been up here the longest, right? She came up here, and, and I talked a little bit, and she was jumping. And she tried to quit on me, but, you know, I, I yeah, yeah, I get back to work, and, uh, you know, slave driver. And so I said, okay, here you go. So I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you something too, okay? All right. Here you go. Here's a quarter. <laughs> That's like a little awkward laugh. She's like, where's the rest of it, man? <laughs> All right. You guys can have a seat for a second. Okay. All right. Give them a hand. All right. So we're going to dismiss the kids in just a second, but I'm going to let them stay just so they understand so they're not talking bad about me to their mom and dad when they get home. All right. This is based off a story, a parable that Jesus teaches, and we're going to spend some time talking about that. What happens is, is there's a vineyard, and we're going to get into it a little deeper with us. I'm going to give you the real quick version. There's a vineyard where the vineyard owner goes and hires workers. He goes and hires people early in the morning, and then he goes out about 9 o'clock in the morning and hires some more. And he tells the first people, he said, I'm going to give you a day's wage, what you normally would get when you work for a full day. 
And then he goes out at 9, gets a second group of people. Then he goes out maybe around noon, gets another group of people. Goes out a little bit later in the afternoon, gets another group of people. and says, I'm going to pay you whatever's fair each time. Then the last time, right before quitting time, he goes and gets some more people to work. And then when it comes time to pay everybody, back then they pretty much paid you at the end of your work day. You didn't wait for the end of the month or the you know 15th and the 30th or anything like that. He goes to pay them all. And he pays the last people who maybe work for an hour or two before sundown. He gives them the same thing. So the people that were hired first, what are they thinking? We're going to get lots of money because he told us we were going to get a day's wage. And he paid that dude and that group of people who worked an hour, basically, the same thing he told us we were going to get. And so they're getting excited. But as they go down the line, what happens? He pays them all the same thing. And at first, the first people kind of grumble. Now, Haley's too sweet to grumble. She didn't really grumble. You could see it in her eyes. She's like, what in the world's going on here? He built this up like I was getting paid, you know? But I, did. I guess gave her a quarter. But hey, I want to make a note here. There is a coin shortage, so that quarter could be worth like $5 now. So just so. Not really, probably. But anyway. Uh, but anyway. But the first thought in the story, and if we're talking a lot of money and we're talking a long, a long day of work, you can see where you would get a little bit upset. Why did I, who worked all that time from the very beginning, get paid the same thing the people who came on even just an hour before quitting time? It doesn't make sense. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Like JP said, we're going to talk about the grace of God. Because ultimately, none of us can earn or work hard enough to be loved by God and earn our salvation, right? All right, so Miss Jerry, you can explain that better if that needs more better explaining. So we'll dismiss the kids now. Uh, preschool, we're going to go, and you're going to try to spread out over here underneath these trees. Follow Miss Sherry right there. She goes up to uh, how old? Fifth grade. That's right. So good job, kids. Oh, by the way, I was wondering, can I borrow a quarter from some of you? I'm just kidding. All right, so um, as the kids are heading that way, and uh, they're going to spend uh, a little time together learning from God's Word, too. Uh, you can turn to Matthew chapter 20, and that's where this story is. I'm going to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20. And there's a story that we just kind of gave you the brief overview, but I'm going to share a little bit about it uh, with, with you from Scripture. It's a pretty cool story, and I always thought it was a, a really interesting story, but it, it just sort of blows your mind. It, it, does, it seems up Matthew chapter 20 beginning in verse 1. It says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius, and we talked about that last week. The denarius was a day's wage, what was normally paid for working a full day. So he says, I'll pay you a denarius for the day, and he sent them to his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right, he says. He doesn't tell them an amount, so they went. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. And about five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Verse 7 says, because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. Now, I want to pause for just a second, and I want to talk about something. Now, this is just my idea, my perspective about maybe what was going on here. But you got these people who've been out there. It was a common practice to go to the marketplace and stand out and look for work. It was a common thing to look for work by the day because not a lot of people hired people for long term necessarily. 
And so they go out for day laborers, right? So they go out there and they'd be waiting. Now, if you wanted to make sure you got a job for the day, what would be the best practice to go out and do what? Get out there when? First thing in the morning, right? Early in the morning if you want a job. So it tells me, now, it could have been there just wasn't enough work, maybe. But chances are, in their time, there was plenty of work to be done. So chances are, somebody who's standing out there at 5 o'clock was what? Probably not there first thing in the morning. And then, a lot of times, it's just if you've got a pulse, if you're a strong body, you know, it looks like you can do some work, you'll get hired. But chances are, if you've stood there all day and everybody else has gone before you, there's something that shows you or, or looks like you don't want to work. So maybe these people didn't seem like the cream of the crop, so to speak. They didn't seem like the people that you would want to hire. And the, the crazy thing is, and we'll see in the story as, we, as Jesus teaches it, there's a, a lesson to be learned in that. So he pays them now, and he pays the last ones hired first and goes down the line. Verse 9. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So when those who came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. Those who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work in the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give to the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do with my money or what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am so generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. This is an interesting story. And, you know, if you've been around church much at all, you might pick up on this tone. We've already kind of told you. We said we're, it's about grace overall. There's some other little subplots and some other things you can learn here. But it ultimately is about grace. And so we understand grace in its, in its reality, in its purest form. We all, if we understand what grace is, we all would say, I want grace, right? We all would say, I want grace. I need grace. But then when grace is given to other people sometimes, are we always as excited about it? I want to tell you, I'm not going to go into the whole story, but uh, in researching and doing some, uh, some uh, looking up some ideas to, to share with you guys, there's a couple of stories that I heard years ago and I was looking through my notes and I found them. And one in particular, uh, it was a, a YouTube video that was off of, I believe, an old CBS News article from about three years ago about uh, a young man who in 2005 was walking down the street minding his own business and there was a police officer who was fairly new on the force and he wanted to pad his stats and he wanted to make sure he had said that morning he said when i go out i'm going to make sure i get a drug arrest he went so far as to frame the young man who was just walking down the street minding his own business that young man went to prison for four years because of that conviction that was all false that officer planted drugs on him and pinned it on him, and he went to jail. Well, it took a few years. This happened in 2005. It took a few years, and that police officer was found out because, unfortunately, that wasn't the only time he did it. There were other times that he did it. He even stole, and he did all sorts of things, and he planted uh, drugs on other people. It was a horrible situation. Well, he got caught, and, and the story, in some ways, gets worse. The young man that he framed got served four years before it was found out he was not guilty and released. Well, he only served, the police officer only served a year and a half. That's not right, is it? 
It's really not right. It's not fair at all because he'd done that to multiple people. But the story gets even stranger, especially to people who never heard about grace very much. The story goes on, you know, both of their lives were in a shambles. They had lost time, one rightfully so and one wrongfully so. But they began to be involved, both of them, without knowing it, in the same ministry that had a particular branch of their ministry that gave people jobs who had arrest records. Usually it's hard to find a job in that situation, but this ministry existed to give them jobs so they could serve and be better in the community and better themselves. Well, they come and they start working at the same place. Talk about awkward, right? You thought me and Haley, me paying her a quarter was awkward? You should see when the dude who puts you in prison illegally is the guy you're supposed to work with, right? And you're supposed to be at this Christian ministry. Well, they didn't tell a whole lot about those details, but the crazy thing that happens is that young man who was arrested and served four years in prison for a crime he did not commit comes up to him at one point and says, I forgive you. This police officer, actually, he approached him first and he said, I have no excuse for what I did. I have no excuse for what I did, but I was so incredibly wrong. And I see that now. And all I can say is I'm sorry. And the guy just hugged him and told him he forgave him. It's just mind-blowing. And it goes on to tell us a little bit more about the story that they're actually best friends now. I mean, that's grace upon grace, right? It's one thing to forgive, and that's mind-blowing when you stole four years of my life and all you got was one and a half for doing that to other people. I mean, this is what this guy could have said, but he did not, at least not in the context of the story. And he's saying, you stole my life from me, but he didn't take that route. He just said, We've all made mistakes. We all deserve forgiveness. And he befriends this guy. And now they're like best friends. They go and do things together. They work together. And they even go and talk to other people about learning to forgive even when people don't deserve it. And here's the part. To be honest, here's the reason I'm actually even telling you this story. I started reading the comments on YouTube, which is always a dangerous thing. On YouTube or Facebook or anything, you start reading comments. (laughs) So many people were so angry. And they said that the guy who served four years in prison for a crime he did not commit was stupid. I mean, they, some of them really talked really bad about it. And they said, you know, you make everybody look weak. You make people like you look weak. And, you know, you just allowed him to take more from you. And it broke my heart. Because, yes, it's absolutely crazy to forgive like that, isn't it? It is crazy to forgive like that because this world is not our home. And when you do things like the kingdom of God, it doesn't look or make sense to people of this world. And it broke my heart because so many people in those comments, that was such a foreign concept to them. And the question that I have to ask myself and the question I want to ask us this morning for these next couple of minutes is, do, does our life look like that to other people? Do we have that extreme grace that forgives even when it doesn't seem like they deserve it? Now, go back to our story. Go back to our story. The point of this story is, and, and you know, it, it's not necessarily about a job, so to speak, but it's about the grace and the mercy of the landowner, right? The, the grace and mercy of God is who Jesus is talking about. And he's saying none of us deserve anything. You know, the one with all the riches is the landowner, and he can give whatever he wants. If he wanted to give them all a million dollars, he could do it. And you and I have to understand this one powerful concept. And you may know it in theory, but do you know it by the way you live and in your heart? The kingdom of God is upside down. The kingdom of God is upside down. And if you want the kingdom of God to make sense in this world, you're holding your breath in the wrong time. And you're you're just going to come up with heartache. 
You're just going to come up with, with difficult times. If you want the kingdom of God to make sense in this world, then you are in the wrong place. And so if here's what I ask you to do. I don't ask you to leave. I ask you to change your mind and change your heart. And that's something that you and I have to do every day. Because even though I, am, I went and I've studied God's word for years, I was prepared to teach and preach. I've continued to study and preach and teach. There's so many times when I'm done wrong, there's so many times when I see injustice in this world, and I want to rage against what's going on. But what we're called to do is we're called to love and forgive. And it does not make sense to this world. But that's what grace is. It doesn't make any sense compared to this world. I'm not saying we don't stand up against injustice, but we do need to stand up for love in the face of injustice. We do need to stand up in, in the face of injustice and show mercy. And here's the thing I want us to understand. If the kingdom that you're a part of makes sense in this world, then I ask you to repent. If the kingdom that you're a part of that makes sense in this world, I ask you to repent because this kingdom is all about self-denial. The kingdom of God is all about self-denial. It's not about self-help. And that's what our world wants to talk about all day is, is help yourself. Look out for number one. Look out for you. Don't let anybody take advantage of you. Man, I'm here to tell you, if you spend all of your time, and this is a little bit piggybacking what we talked about last week. But if you spend all of your time carrying anger and rage and hate and hard feelings for the people that do you wrong, you're always going to be full of anger and rage and hate. Am I right? Because there's always people who are going to do you wrong, whether it be on a small scale or a grand scale. And so if you decide to respond with hate and you decide to respond with anger, you're always going to be miserable. What we have to do is realize that the kingdom of God is, is about self-denial, not about self-help. And we worry about, what can I get out of being a part of Jesus' kingdom? And yes, we get this amazing gift of grace and life, eternal life, by being a part of the kingdom of God. But the struggle that I believe we have, and, and we could say that it's about, about this time and this world and this society, but I believe it's been true of humankind throughout history. As long as the church has been around, I believe there have been people who wanted to see what they could get out of it. And you'll never be truly happy. You'll bounce around from church to church to church, finding, trying to find a place that's going to give you what you need and scratch your itch and, and meet your needs and make you feel good. And if that's what you're looking for, you'll never be truly happy. You'll point the fingers at everybody else is not meeting your needs while all the while you need to repent and I need to repent if that's, uh, if that's me. And so what we have to do is not say, what can I get out of it, but who can I share it with? If you go on in this passage, I'm not going to read this whole passage, but verses 20 through 28 here in Matthew chapter 20. You see James and John, uh, two of Jesus' closest followers, closest followers, excuse me, have their mom go. Now this is crazy, right? You know, they send their mom to go and say, hey, can we have the two highest positions in your kingdom, Jesus? So she goes and she asks, and here's what it says in verse 25. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is teaching all throughout this chapter. Now these things are put together, but it's a theme that runs, is that the kingdom of God is upside down. It is absolutely upside down. And grace doesn't make sense. 
Why would we all get paid the same thing? Why would we all be saved no matter how long we've been away or how many wrongs we've done? It doesn't make sense, but with God it does. And then you've got this idea of people wanting to be great. They said, I want to be put up on a pedestal. I want people to praise me. I want people to say, hey, look at him, look at her. But what does Jesus say? He says, if you want to be great in my kingdom, my upside down kingdom, what do you have to do? You've got to be a servant. You have to humble yourself. Whoever can get the lowest will in turn be the greatest in my kingdom. It doesn't make any sense. And then we look at the last little bit of the chapter, verses 29 through 34. And it talks about two blind men who were on the side of the road as Jesus was leaving Jericho, I believe it is. And he goes along and they're calling out to him. And the crowd is like, man, leave him alone. Leave him alone. Let, we want to hear what he's got to say. And you guys are drowning him out. And you know, Jesus, have mercy on us. Jesus, have mercy on us. And they're telling him, be quiet. He don't have time for you. You know, you've had your chance. You don't quiet down. Don't say anything. And so they try to quiet him. But Jesus turns and engages them. He turns and engages them and he heals them. And so we learn yet another thing is that it doesn't matter when you start. Just start. It doesn't matter when you start. It doesn't matter if people think you're not worthy. Jesus loves you and you're worthy because he makes you worthy. That's what it's all about. It's not just about you. It's not about just when you start. Back to that first parable. It doesn't matter when you start working for the kingdom. It just matters that you start. It doesn't matter if you came on at 3 in the afternoon, so to speak, or 5 in the afternoon, right before quitting time. The important thing is when you understand that God is hiring you into his family, into his kingdom, when he's calling you into his kingdom, it, it just matters that you start working for him. Start following him. Just start. And then realize it's not just about you. It's not just about you. There are more people that need to be a part of the kingdom of God. And so if somebody else comes along behind you and you're like, I know what they did. I know what they did. I know how long they've not been working for God and his kingdom. There's no way that God is going to accept them. Guess what? He's going to accept them. If they come to him humbly, if they come to him on his terms, he is going to accept them and give them the grace that you and I got. And we didn't deserve it either. And that's what we've got to remember and remind ourselves. You don't deserve grace. There's a spectrum, just like many things. We sort of swing from one side of a, a pendulum to another. Some people don't believe they deserve any grace and therefore they'll never accept it. Some people think they deserve all the grace and actually they may not even need it. And then there's people all in the middle. But what I want to remind you is, is that every single one of us needs the grace of God if we want to spend eternity in heaven. Every single one of us. It doesn't matter how public or private, how dark or, or, or small your sin may seem. You have sin and you fall short of the glory of God and you need the forgiveness and the grace of God. Guess what? Those new people that have just been hired, so to speak, they don't deserve it, but you don't either. So it doesn't matter when you start, just start. To be great, what do you have to do? Serve. And that's how you help bring other people in. When you serve other people in Jesus' name, that gives them the, the sign, the warning that they have an opportunity to have grace as well. And then remind yourself, just like those two blind guys who were begging for Jesus' attention, everybody else wanted to push to the side. Everyone needs grace. Everyone needs grace. Even the people that you feel like are a little bit on the outside and don't deserve it. And man, I don't know if they want it. Everyone needs grace. They just need an opportunity to hear about the grace of Jesus. 
And you and I need to do all we can to make sure that they hear about it. And we need to show up by the way we serve and realize that it doesn't matter how late they come to the game, how late they come to the party, they can be forgiven. And so I want to wrap up. And here's what I want to say. I want to ask a question. What kind of kingdom worker are you? Remember at the beginning, the story of the vineyard workers? What kind of kingdom worker are you? The truth is, is that you and I are building something. Every single one of us. We're building something. And I want to break it down into just two categories. Are you a wall builder? Or are you a bridge builder? If you're in the kingdom of God, you've received the grace of Jesus, you're building something. Are you building walls that keep other people out? Or are you building bridges that open up the way for other people to know Jesus and know grace? That's really what you have to answer. Am I a wall builder or am I a bridge builder? You would hope and pray that you would automatically be a bridge builder. But unfortunately, just like we talked about last week, sometimes the, the weight and the guilt that we put on ourselves, we kind of stack them up and put them down and we sort of build walls. Sometimes we don't even realize that we may have all the best intentions in the world, but we're building walls that make other people think they're not worthy of the grace of God. And they're not. But neither you and me. But the beauty is that God still gives it. He still gives grace, even more grace. And so there is no wall that he won't kick down. There's no mountain he won't climb up. He will do all that he has to do to tear down the walls that you try to build. Once we understand that, let's not build more walls. Let's build bridges so that other people can know the grace of Jesus. Are you welcoming people into the kingdom of God? Or are you keeping them out? As we get ready to sing this last song, I want to ask you to really take a look at your life. And you automatically probably want to say, yeah, I'm a bridge builder. Because of course we all want to be a bridge builder, right? But the beauty of it is, is that when we realize that we may be building walls, the, the cool thing is that if you knock down a wall, it can become a bridge, right? And the walls that you and I have tried to build in the past have kept people out or made people feel like they weren't welcome or kept people at distance from you. You realize when you knock those down, God can use that story and that testimony and it can become a bridge that will help other people cross it. Because there's people that are just like you that struggle with the same things you do. And then there are people who feel like nobody understands them just like you do. So what I want you to do is look at yourself and say, God, help me to become a bridge builder, not a wall builder. Today, if you want to cross the bridge, the bridge is Jesus. And the beauty of it is, is that there's nothing that we could do to earn that grace, but he gives it freely through his son, Jesus. He died on the cross. And if you believe that Jesus died for your sin and my sin, and you, you're willing to turn to him and just surrender it all, Confess him as Lord. You can meet him in baptism and he'll wash away your sins and give you his Holy Spirit. You can be free today. You can cross the bridge that is Jesus that nobody else could cross that divide. He alone made the bridge through his body and you meet him in baptism. You're buried and raised again to new life. You can do that today. We can take care of that, I promise you. But maybe today you've already done that and you realize that you've been building walls. Walls that are keeping people out.
because you become selfish with your faith, maybe, and you don't share your faith. Maybe you're not spending time in God's Word, and you're not willing to, to fill yourself up so that you can overflow into the lives of other people. Or you've been keeping everybody at a distance. And I know we've been supposed to do that, but you understand what I'm saying, right? You've been keeping people at distance. You're sort of praising Jesus for quarantine because you're like, man, I don't have time for anybody else because it's just about me. Maybe today's the day that you need to break that. You need to open up the walls and you need to build bridges. you got something in your heart today, I'll be over here to the side as we sing. and I'd love to talk with you and pray with you. But most importantly, let's be a bridge builder. Let's stand and sing together.